Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Hey everybody, thanks for joining the show today. It is the Victor Mark Show, named after me. Why? It's the same reason why I think my wife puts Victor Marks on a lot of our gear and shirts, so that one day when I'm older, if I'm wandering around and don't know where I am or who I am, people will know where to send me. I think his name is Victor Marks. Today we're joined by my dear friend of over two decades, Ann Polk. She's an author, popular speaker, and executive director of Restored Hope Network. You guys... Her mission is to restore hope and healing through her testimony of being set free from sexual confusion and sin. While this is a sensitive topic, or can be, it's important to give the hope of Christ to those who may not know of his healing power. Listen, in this show we're going to discuss Anne's book, Restoring Sexual Identity, which is a great book. We've used that book so much. And in Hope for Women Who Struggle with Same Sex. It's uh, this book, you guys, Women who struggle with same-sex attraction, you need to get this book. Every church should have this in the library. Every counselor should have this as a resource. And every family out there struggling with a a daughter or a loved one who struggles with same-sex attraction, this is the best resource I can recommend. And this is over 30 years of me being in the Christian faith. So you can find out more about that. Visit RestoredHopeNetwork.org, RestoredHopeNetwork.org. Thank you so much for having me. What a delight to be with you. How fun is this? Yeah, this is awesome. Okay, we're going to try to stay on target with, because uh, we have a lot of stuff. To, I can already tell you this is going to be a two-day show. I mean, I just know looking at what we're going to cover, but I've been so excited about this because in our nation and our Western churchness, well, even globally, there's a real big confusion about you know, healthy sexuality. And uh, again, if you're listening, don't turn this off because you think we're going to be bashing gays. Knock it off. Like I once spoke at a same-sex attraction event, and I got up in a very judgmental way and said, "Uh, I heard that y'all struggle with same-sex attraction. And man, everybody just, their body was like, you judgmental. I said, wait, wait, wait. I just want to, I'll admit, okay, I'll admit today, I struggle with opposite sex attraction. <laughs> and of course, everybody started laughing. Yeah. I go, we're all on the same boat. Uh, just different struggles. Right. So I am thankful for you. One, that God has saved, restored you. And two, you're one of the most courageous people I know. Thank you, Victor. That means a lot, coming from you well, especially. Because you know whole, a lot of courageous people. Well, a whole different level your character your moral courage many people would have wilted and faded a lot sooner and we know about each other uh for those for those of you listening or watching uh, many of you watch my story read the book what you don't know is and if you read the book you'll hear about you'll read about that little small group meeting i was in the first time i actually shared my whole story well it was ann paul that actually pressed me after I gave my uh, 
sanitized Christian, you know, testimony. And I'll never forget you kind of sitting back going, and then you said, Victor, where's the rest of it? And I was so, I was so offended. I was like, I ain't none of your business, woman. Why do you, uh, uh. and you just said, but it was, it was done so loving, but with such conviction, like you read through me, like Victor, this, this, and this isn't going to happen to you. That must have been God, because I don't remember thinking, wow, he's only given me this much of a story. It, it was like Honestly. the voice, I, it was like the voice of God. It went right through my soul. And then all of a sudden, you know, in a, you know, kind of an aggravated, emptying way, I'm just like, what do y'all want to know? You want to know this? You want to know this happening? And then boom, remember? I yeah. started laying it all out. Oh, my goodness. I remember that night. And even my bride next to me was looking going, oh, my gosh, I didn't, I didn't even know this. So obviously it was a safe place. The power of God was there. But God used you to help push me. Uh, and that's what real friends do, real believers. Iron chopper's iron. And I'm so thankful for that because we're sitting here because of it. Right. That's right. I mean, I may have just gone on my merry way and just ended up doing a little something, but not what God wanted to do. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being real, for being vulnerable. (laughs) I don't have the energy for for anything else. And you know what? Because you did, because you chose to that night, God raised you up in a unique way. Mm. I mean, to go into the prisons and everything else, you had skills like you wouldn't believe, but the testimony accompanied by the skills, amazing. That's what breaks open hearts and causes them to bond and be open to the Lord. Yeah. So I'm just grateful you took his leading. Right. And although you were mad at me that night. (laughs) Yeah. I I sure got free. It's okay. Boy, it is okay. I sure got free. And if you're listening or watching and you're like, well, gosh, I want God to use me, just offer your loaves and fishes. Don't, you know, whatever you have, offer up to the Lord. Not like, oh, you get me now, Lord. Watch what you can do through me. That's nonsense. Just go, Lord, this is all I have. And it seems like there's thousands of here. People who need to eat, I don't, if you can use this, watch what he does. He'll be glorified through you. Now, let's give people a context of your background. Okay. Same-sex attraction or homosexuality was a part of my life. Um, It was an early part of my life. I was molested when I was four years old by a teen boy. Mm. And who told me that if, you know, I told that I'd get in trouble. um, And I believed him. Yep. And uh, that kept that silent and buried like gangrene in my life for 20 years. Mm. I mean, 20 years. Yeah. Um, It started seeping out later on. But the impact of that experience and multiple experiences Mm -hmm. was that I thought being a girl meant weak, meant vulnerability, meant being abused. Mm. And so in my head, what happened at four years old, I could never have explained to anyone you can't um, even process it at four. You can't. You don't even know how to tell time. And yet this aspect of life, this adult sexuality invades a youth life. And that's like, it's completely inappropriate. It is absolutely and utterly wrong. It is evil, actually. Now, two things. One, I don't care who you are. The majority of the population, Christian, non-Christian, gay, not gay, what, whatever, everybody agrees by and large that child abuse is wrong. One would hope it stays that way. What is it about a kid who gets abused, molested, whatever, rape, and then more incidences start happening? 
I think the perpetrator's sense of vulnerability in kids, so whether that's a weakness, a desire for a dad figure in a boy, or mm-hmm. um, just a, a lack of ability to be vulnerable and safe and healthy and if they're confident kids, uh, they're less likely to pick on those kids because right. they're more likely to have a close relationship with parents, and that information would get out to the parents right. and stop the perpetrator. Now, we'll So we're talking about perpetrator mentality. They're looking for weak and vulnerable kids to take advantage yeah, of. Yeah, we call them predators. They are predators. And, and when you think of a person being a predator, some of the nicest people you yeah. could meet are and, predators. And they put on the they put on the sheep's clothing. They yeah. act, they go in to be a doctor, a pediatrician, a coach, wherever they have access. Ministers, youth yes, leaders, uncles, right. neighbors, babysitters. Um, yeah, so yeah. I, l- let me say this to parents who's have experienced the harsh reality of their child being abused. I can honestly say there's not a hundred percent foolproof way to protect your child from being abused. In this day and age, unless you're with them the whole time, uh, your child's going to develop a psychosis, right? I mean, of just an overprotecting parent and helicopter parent syndrome, yeah. right? Yeah, mine was a oh. Cobra airship. You know, that's how I protected my kids: dogs, guns, people, uh, because I didn't want it to happen to my kids. But the reality is, I just want to take any type of guilt, burden, or shame off of a parent listening, feeling like they failed. Uh, some of the most squared away people that I know have had their children were molested. But what can we do to, I mean, practically prevent that? Here's a couple ideas from me. I would say is don't let your kids go do sleepovers when they're young. That's a danger. Even I know it's good sense of even with relatives. Your child may go over to a relative's house, they have a sleepover, and their cousin invites a friend over who's a teenager. Then things will happen. Uh, be very leery of everyone. And by leery, I mean a healthy suspect, kind of like our canines, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. People that come around, they're like, oh, nice dog. and, and uh, oh, Watch out, you're going to lose your hand. Yeah, especially guys, <laughs> can I pet your dog? I go, I wouldn't. Why not? I said, they're, they're trained to be suspicious. So, uh, but being, uh, this is not paranoid, but this is just a healthy uh, perspective of anybody can abuse your child. The other one is be very leery of people who are overly nice to your kids and then want to do stuff for them or give them something or, hey, let me take them somewhere. Nope, we're good. So this is, again, just ways I would say these are a few ideas. Do you have any ideas? You know, I probably, I'm trying not to overprotect because my natural response is to go, there is no way on God's green earth this is ever going to happen to my kids. Right. Therefore, I'm going to give them an unnatural <laughs> growth. This so is the I balance. Was always, yeah. I was always trying to balance this thing of not overly suspecting, say, a youth pastor. Right. Um, and so balancing that off with healthy, whole things. Like, no, you're not going to ride alone in the car with the youth pastor. Or you're not going to go away and spend, you know, That's a good. weekend where there's no other adults there who are overseeing you. Or we didn't really do any of those things. Right. <laughs> so there are people who are 
the predators who are looking to take advantage of these unique situations are trying to set them up. Yeah. And so we avoid all those unique situations where kids could become entrapped. Yeah. Where, you know, they're trusting adults. They, they don't have as much power as adults, and that's just not fair to put them in a position like that. Agreed. And then so, early on, parents, try to empower your children to let them know their voice matters. That's right. And they can tell people when they're uncomfortable. Right. Uh, Good word right there. That matters. Uh, just, well, hey, I don't. Uh, and then, of course, we, we taught our younger children, hey, no one touches your bathing suit parts. Right. No one. Uh, private parts are private. Yeah. They're not for so-and-so. Yeah. Yeah. And no questions, no games, no tickling. Uh, you, you've got to really just. And then, again, build confidence in your kid, your child, that, hey, their voice matters. Right. And they can say, no, I'll never forget our youngest son. Now, he was more born with this, so it was easy to guide it. But I had a, uh, a relative who was drunk in a car, and he was behind me. I'm driving. My little boy, he's a toddler. He's in his car seat. He could talk, but not a lot. And this drunk person was reaching over there and poking him like he's tickling him, poking. And I'm driving, and I turn around, and he kind of tickle poked. And my son just said, stop it. Don't touch me. In such a loud, firm voice, I was like, "Excellent, yes, well done." And the guy stopped. Good. And then I later said, "You carry on with your nonsense. I'll pull this car over, and it won't be fun." Right. Uh, we'll tie you onto the top of the car. Yeah, we'll. <laughs> we'll get you there, we'll, but yeah, we'll. It won't be so comfortable anymore. Well, meet duct tape and you know <laughs> zip ties. Oh no. So I think parents need to be very clear about setting boundaries and just go, "Hey." Here's what our children expect. This right. is what they're trained in. My wife has, on a number of occasions, told people, hey, my husband was abused as a kid, and it was extreme torture and left for dead. That's right. So he's very suspect of everybody. Of course. And you need to make sure that, you know, if our kid goes over to your house, a teenager or whatever, they're not going in the back bedroom. They stay in your living room. And if we get any other type of report, it's not going to be fun. It's not going, you're, they're never coming over again. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, so anyway, parents, I hope that helps some of you who right now, because of all the sex trafficking and uh, children have been abused, you're living in fear. We don't want you to go from fear to faith and live prepared, but not paranoid. And that way it's better on everyone. Right. That's but, right. but here we started this because your abuse is a, little girl affected you, affected your sexuality. It did. It impacted me. I felt like I wasn't safe as a girl. And so there was some degree I wasn't. So I I detached from that, but I was a girl. So later on, I was probably six years old, kindergarten age, first grade. A little girl made a pass at me. She Mm. was, we were in a pretend game in her basement while my parent, my mom and her mom were talking upstairs. There you go. Right. And this little girl my age you know, said, hey, let's pretend like you're the husband and I'm the wife. And I'm like, I don't know. This is kind of weird. And then I realized, oh, my gosh, I feel like I'm in charge of my feelings, of my sexuality, of my, as opposed to it being imposed on me. And that's what started lesbian attraction for me at that age. So the contrast with the power grab from the, the sexual abuse to, oh, now I'm, I have a degree of control. 
Um, so I didn't feel like I wasn't a girl, but I didn't know how to attach properly as a girl. I didn't know how to feel good about myself as a girl. And so that continued through my teenage years and so on. I mean, I, I tried to fit in, but I had attractions towards uh, some of my girlfriends. Not all, but on occasion, there would be somebody who seemed very confident, very kind, and that sense of strength and kindness together was very attractive to me. That's what I was longing to have inside. Mm. Um, and so that's what actually drove my lesbian attraction. Um, through high school, I pretended I dated three different guys at one time because I was trying to keep them all at bay, actually. Right. <laughs> it was right. a control thing. It wasn't a uh, commitment. Or, uh, so that was through high school and... Um, then I went away to college and I thought, you know, that little bit of Christianity I'd grown up hearing about, uh, that I didn't actually hear the gospel. I didn't know that Jesus came to die for my sins mm. and redeem me to himself. I mean, that simple message uh, wasn't even talked about in these liberal Presbyterian churches. Um, but what I did is I threw off the fake God that I didn't even know and embraced homosexuality my first year in college, fell for a girlfriend of mine. And she was straight, so that was out of question. But mm. then I began doing, um, like, gay groups on campus. I went to counseling to try and rationalize or work out the details I was having trouble with. Here I have these attractions. I don't know why they're there, but I att I'm attracted to a couple of different girls. And yet I have this nagging sense that there's something wrong about it from my upbringing as a Christian. Okay, uh, let's, let's pause right there because this is huge. There's a lot of families listening right now, and their daughters or sons are struggling. Right. Um, and there's two extreme points of view you can take when somebody you know or love is struggling with same-sex attraction. One is to fully say, hey, it's all good. You just you just go with how what you feel. And, and truth is relevant, and their truth, that's all that matters. And you compromise, right? Right. That doesn't help them. The other extreme is just to be, you know, the gates of hell are opening up on this person. You <laughs> Right, which is not helpful. Filthy, <laughs> by the way. You know, perverse, yeah. wretched sinner, and it's worse than same-sex attraction and, you know, fornication, which kind of always gets me. I mean, I've always thought that there was a, a, a bias against homosexuals in Christendom, meaning... You look, and of course, homosexuality is a perversion of what God has intended, but so is sex outside of marriage. Right. It's still a perversion. Right. But, but I think there hasn't been a, I think people get on a bandwagon and, you know, and that's what has repelled so many people who either have faith or don't have faith, but don't want to come to the church. They're struggling with their sin or would it have helped if a Christian would have come alongside of you? Or a good counselor and just said, hey, the conflict you're having is absolutely normal. Yeah. This is, you know. Would have been very helpful. Yeah. The uh, counsel I got at that time was from a, a peer counselor on campus at a UC Santa, or University of California oh campus. My. Yeah. And so they said, oh, being gay is no problem, no conflict with Christianity at all. No, no reason why they're saying that that's no conflict. It was just the counselor himself was gay. Okay. So embrace it. You're good right. to go. So interesting, you know, there's been a movement in Christendom, especially in America, churches are really embracing the gay 
do we call it the gay lifestyle? What What's the best way I could, you know? Same People si- get upset at saying gay lifestyle. Okay, right. Homosexuality um, is even not favored by those who are pro-gay. Okay. Um, within the church, they'd prefer to use gay or LGBT. Okay. What about LGBTQ? Z-M. I can't keep up with it, uh, mainly because of my low IQ, not that I'm trying to be disrespectful, but... It keeps expanding, so uh, it's hard for anybody to know. Okay, that yeah. makes me feel better. Now, uh, interesting, a little turn of events with the Pope. That's right. Who was definitely leaning toward same-sex attraction, blessing the union, and what happened just yesterday? Well, he wants to be as compassionate as possible, it seems, which is great. Uh, but he came out as not blessing same-sex unions, of saying no priest can um, bless civil unions or gay marriages. Now, holding that it is indeed sin, yeah, which is shocking to most of the world. Yeah, exactly. And while many, you know, many people were starting to think that the Pope was the next anti, uh, the Antichrist or whatever, you know, the conspiracy theories. This is a time where Christians should actually applaud his position. Because regardless of what you think of Catholicism or the Pope, he just made a pretty tough stand. He did. And he's going to get a lot of uh, blowback from it. And uh, if you're a Catholic listening, man, reach out. Tell your priest you support what the Pope just did, the Holy Father. So um, this is a time where we're in a war for beliefs and words, and, yes. and all of it matters. But how can the average Christian and Take a stand knowing, I mean, if you just post something, uh, you know, on social media, you can get riveted. Right. If you're at church, and this is my assumption, Mm -hmm. that most people, that same-sex attraction in the church is so widespread now, that the moment you say something, somebody gets offended because they're thinking, well, that's my daughter. And and maybe it's the delivery, you know, because, you know, uh, we're not. Islam and Middle Eastern that will, you know, throw gays off buildings. That's horrific. Uh, but we have to take a stand for what we believe. And uh, and, and a it, compassionate one. At and, that. A, and a compassionate, right? I, We're I, all sinners that need saved by Jesus. And, right. And repentance and, and healing and hope is there right. for people. Well, so, I, I, I've... Uh, but repentance is truly needed. Okay, so, you know, the governor of our state, is gay. Yes. And people ask me, you know, uh, about certain leaders and military and this and that. And, and I want to talk to you. Uh, we're we're going to close this out real quick. But I want to talk to you tomorrow about can we respect or endorse people in certain positions if they're holding to a gay lifestyle? Maybe they're gifted in a certain way. and Or, you know, that's something that Christians need to talk about that matters. Can you hang on another day and hang Absolutely. out with us? Absolutely. All right, you guys, how fun is this to have Ann Park with us? She's author and popular speaker. She's executive director of Restored Hope Network, and you can go to her website, restoredhopenetwork.org. Boom, that easy. To find out more, you're going to also find out why we're supporting them because they're one of the last solid, I mean, trustworthy organizations without compromise that take a stand to help in this area, and I hope you help them too. Stand with us, help them, 
This will advance the kingdom of God in a beautiful, healthy way, including what's being attacked so aggressively now, the sexuality of our kids and sexuality in the church. So join us tomorrow, wherever you are today, whatever you're doing, do it for the glory of God, full throttle, and uh, get it done. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.